Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, like Cardon, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Meave. Whether you're looking for a good Korean skincare or affordable and trendy jewelry, they've got you covered. Plus, you can help to support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in-store to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. Hey, y'all, and welcome to Trials to Triumphs. I'm Ashley Blaine Featherston Jenkins, but you can call me ABFJ. I want to share something with you. I am fascinated by mountain climbing, and more specifically, mountain climbers. I'm a big documentary lover, but the ones on mountain climbing hold a special place in my heart. I remember watching 14 Peaks, Nothing is Impossible, and watching Nims Persia embark on what he was told would be an impossible quest to summit all 14 of the world's 8,000-meter peaks in seven months. The first person to do it, Reinhold Messner, completed it in 16 years. It took NIMS six months and six days. NIMS did what he said he would do because he believed he could. He truly had not a doubt in his mind that he would reach all the peaks. Mountain climbing is arduous, scary, depleting, dangerous, and requires an incredible amount of skill. And while watching climbers go after their dreams of summiting, I see them want to give up, and some do. The question in my mind is always, how do they keep going? When the conditions are poor, when their bellies are empty, when their families are at home worried sick, and the answer always comes to me when I see them reach the top the summit. Wow, it's all worth it. The view from the top is surreal and special, and only a small number of people have achieved the feat. I've realized that is how I keep going. To know that the top will be glorious and that all of the difficulties along the way, the trials, will soon lead to triumphant moments in my life. This is also how my friend Asia Naomi King keeps going. Today, she talks to me about pushing through self-doubt on the way to her success. I'm so excited to share with you what Asia has learned from the women in her community and how she's drawn strength by embracing each step of her journey. We can't be precious about these things because it will break us. It will break us and it won't allow us to move forward. And this, this path is all about who can stick it out the longest. Like, I am talking, because now now I'm going to cut to, like, Viola Davis. Please like, cut to her. Please, please. Like, cut, <laughs> cut to Viola. But yes. my God, when you look at the length of her career, like, 
It has been about endurance. And in our Sankofa moment, Asia shares which historical figure she would want in her tribe. She was like an anthropologist in the time, really just writing for us. But like there's something like when someone takes a piece of culture and put it down so that it will remain for all time. Like so you can understand just how people spoke and connected with one another. I find that really powerful because we need those kind of landmarks of where we've been so we can understand how far we've come and how how far we need to go. How are you? Congratulations, married lady. Thank you, my friend. (laughs) I really appreciate it. I am so excited about this Asia because, first of all, we have like this just love for one another and we've always supported one another. Um, But do you remember when we first met? Girl, I don't remember anything past the start of this (laughs) pandemic. I'm like, where are we? It's like I've been robbed of years of my life. That's what's crazy. I was trying to think about it too. And I think that we met years and years ago at an audition. Like, I think in like 2012 or 2013. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Like a very, very long time. (laughs) Yeah. But we've always just been such supporters of one another. Yes. I am such a fan of yours. I I really, truly am. And I just think that you are so incredibly talented, so fabulous. But also in recent years, and, I'm but so... But also the same. The same oh, thank you, Asia. You, you oh. are amazing. You are phenomenal. I love seeing your gorgeous face on screen. And your kindness shines through. Your heart shines through. Your talent shines through. You are so fabulous. I love our community of women. Like, I feel so oh. lucky to be in this community with each other, this tribe with each other. It is so amazing. Thank you for saying that, Asia. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. I know you know what it feels like to not feel seen. Yes. And feel like, do I have community? Do people get what I'm, what type of content I want to put into the world and who I am as a woman from yes. my heart. Like, it sometimes it feels like nobody gets it. Nobody sees me. And so I feel so grateful to have women like yourself that I know see me, I know celebrate me, yes. and you know that you get it in return. Yes. It's such a blessing, of Asia. Of course. Yeah. 
like, no, we, we always make time and space for one another. Like mm. that, and that is, that's the gift that we give to each other that we pass on to one another that was passed on to me when I was first trying to like do this. The number of women that just, I don't know, I just feel like they come out of the woodworks to be like, oh girl, <laughs> that's what you want to do. I'm here for you. I support your passions. I support your dreams. It's really phenomenal. And like you said, makes you feel seen. Who were some of the women that did that for you in your early days? Oh, my God. So before I went to grad school, I had just gotten accepted into a Yale School of Drama. So this was, my Lord, this was back in 2007. <laughs> Ooh, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. And my mom had a friend who knew Angela Bassett. Okay. And the connection. My, right. Okay. Hello. <laughs> wow. And my mom mentioned to this friend, oh, my daughter just got into Yale. And this friend was like, oh, I know Angela. Let me give her your daughter's cell phone number and see if she'll give her a call. When I tell you, and you know, this is, you know, I, no, no one answers phone numbers they don't recognize. I'd like received a phone call on my cell phone. I don't recognize the number. I decline, decline. She like decline. Like I'm not picking that up. I get a I get a message saying, "Hello, this is Angela Bassett. I am calling to speak to Asia Naomi King. I heard you got into Yale. Give me a call back so we can chat about it." You know what? <laughs> like I just got chills just like, now. You should have seen me. I was jumping and screaming like I had won an award. I was like, I can't believe Angela Bassett. And then I was terrified. I'm like, I have to call Angela Bassett back. What I'm going to say, I don't want to sound like a fool. I was like, all you have to do is listen. Mm -hmm. Call Angela Bassett to say anything. All you do is call to listen and receive <laughs> the information. And that's what I did. And she took time out to speak to me for like a little over an hour that random day in 2007. And it meant the world to me that someone like her would just take the time, just mm -hmm. taking the time to share and talk. Like what a gift that is. And I know that's a gift that we try to give to our sisters coming up and just to yeah. anyone who like needs an ear. It's like, I'm, Hey, you want to, you want to chat? Like I'm here. Yeah. Wow. That's, I, I don't even have the words. To be in the presence of these women who without them, we wouldn't mm. even be having a conversation around yeah. having careers in this industry in the first place to say that I've laid out this path. Like it's up to you to walk it. I just find that just so, so amazing. And it's such a gift. And I also, I believe in signs so mm. much. I believe like the universe will show you that you Me are too. like, you are walking your path. Yeah. And so like when that happened to me, like that is the universe saying you're walking in the right direction. Wow. Like, okay. going. So Asia, I want to get back to a moment when the universe did that for you. But I want to start yes. at the beginning. Talk to me about California. Ooh. Talk to me about home. <laughs> oh. What have you learned from being... Were you an L.A. kid? I grew up in a city called Walnut, which is 
very suburban. If you know anything about LA and freeways, I'm like, it's the 60 East towards Pomona. Mm, That's when you hit Walnut. Very like Pleasantville, just very small, easy, easy, beautiful town. Like what did it give you? Like what's something you carry with you from your upbringing? I think the thing that I carry and the thing that I can, I continue to try to hold on to is play, like my sense of play as a child this is in the time before all this Snapchat and TikTok and Instagram, mm-hmm. like there was no cell phones or anything. So we were outside. <laughs> it was the, uh, until the, the street lights came on, you gotta come on. Come on. <laughs> yes, that's right. It's like, oh, that's the alarm. Gotta go inside now. <laughs> we all had such imaginations and mm. we created so many stories. I mean, it's like, and that's what me and my sisters would do. I have two little sisters who have also gotten into creative fields. And I think that is a testament to like just how we grew up, just always making up stories, making up songs, making up plays, like just creating this universe and sense of play around us constantly and being able to participate within school functions that also promoted that same kind of energy of like dancing and singing and theater. As a kid, I just, I loved joining groups. I loved joining Mm. clubs. And my parents were like, but you don't have time to do all of this. It was like, I love just signing up for things. And I love like the possibilities of what could happen and the, the experience I could have. And then conversely, I'd have to like quit like half of them because I really like it all conflicted. There was never <laughs> enough time. Yeah. I find this with most creative people. Like we somehow believe that time is going to bend to our needs for some reason. Yes. Like we, we convince ourselves that there is enough time. Like, oh, yes, I'm going to finish working on this project and I still have time to shower before meeting that friend. And it's like, no, girls, like you got like five oh, minutes. Oh, man. But just that a- eternal optimistic belief that everything is going to work out in my favor. So are, have you always been that way? Are you someone that, if you look back over your life, that you've always had that belief? Oh, yes. Mm. I say I am an eternal optimist almost to my detriment. Mm. It is so hard for me to let go that something's not going to work, which is in this industry. I was about Letting to say. Letting go is the... <laughs> That's a struggle, like, sis, cuz. Right? <laughs> the amount of rejection we receive. But I always think, even it's like you do that audition and it's like, oh, it's not going to go your way. I'm still like, no, something's going to happen. Wow. And it's going to come back around to me. I used to hold on to sides and put them in like a little folder. Like, it'll come back around. It's still going to happen. It's still going to work out. And a friend of mine had to be like, Asia, you need to let it go. It mm. is for your betterment that these things aren't going to happen. Because again, you can't do everything. So the things that you are meant to do, that you Mm. are supposed to do, like that's what you should be open for and surrender and release to. Because like you holding on to the things that have passed, which is blocking the things in the future trying to get at you. I'm an optimist, but I'm a realist too now. Like I have the duality. And honestly, I think a lot of that came from my husband. He's very, Daryl is very much so, he's black and white. I love the gray, right? You sound like kind of like a gray girl, right? I kind of, 
If it's gray, then it's like, it's both, right? You know? <laughs> you can have all things. <laughs> exactly. So I have a friend who j- sounds just like the way that you were. And we always kind of bump heads about it because I'm always yes. trying to tell her, I hear you, but I also think sometimes we have to surrender. We also have to let things go. We also just have to say, hey, you know what? Okay, that didn't work out. On to the next thing. So tell me, once th- your friend had that talk with you, right? And you were like, yes. you know what, girl? You probably have a point, sis. Dang, I've been stressing myself out all these years. What changed for you in your life and in your career after you made that slight switch? I used to be so precious about these things because to me, it was part of my good luck rituals, my superstition, you know, mm. this holding on to everything. Because um, I would I would put all the sides in a special folder. I'm like sprinkling magic dust on it and saying a prayer, like it's all going to come back around to me. And this friend of mine, she would always be so vulnerable with me and tell me about her rejections and stuff. And I couldn't receive my rejections because I was still thinking it's going to happen. So I couldn't give that back to her. And she would be like, girl, I can't be in this space with you if mm. you're not going to share in return. Ooh. And I was like, Oh, that's how this friendship is supposed to work? (laughs) I finally, like, admitted to her, like, okay, like, I went after this and I went after this. And they said, like, no for this reason and no for this reason. But maybe they'll change their mind. And she was like, okay, go into your little special folder, throw those sides away, put them in the shredder, release Mm -hmm. it, let it go. But the thing that it did for me is it opened me up in a really profound way. At the end of the day, I used to be so secretive over my auditions, holding on to stuff. And it was something that I was just like, it was boiling underneath Mm. because I was holding on to so much. And so if anyone would ask about it, it was like, you're trying to get into my secrets. You're trying to jinx me almost like, because if I tell you anything about it, then it's really not going to happen. Because if I have to admit to you that like I was rejected, then I'm like cementing it for the universe instead of giving it the opportunity to come back around to me. This was like the belief system that I was holding on to. And when she had this really open and honest conversation with me, she was really giving me this beautiful framework about living life. It's like, We have to be able to be vulnerable with each other because this is too hard to hold on to alone. Mm. And you don't have to be alone with this. And you don't have to be creating a framework around this where you are isolated from your other artists because you won't be open and vulnerable. And it's that same kind of vulnerability that you end up really needing in your craft. Mm. Yeah, when we're approaching our art, we have to be able to admit like, yes, we go after these things. We put so much time and effort and work and heart into reading it and finding the right outfit. She said to me that we have to be able to allow ourselves the space to not only be honest about what we're experiencing and the amount of work that goes into it, acknowledging like, yes, I went out and found the exact right outfit and got my hair done and put all this time into doing my makeup. And not only that, I like, I broke down the character. I analyzed what this scene should mean and how to perform this and and my creative take on it. This is hours of time spent. Mm. Yes, it's hard to let go of, but releasing it, being vulnerable about it, allowing other people to be inside of that knowledge, be inside of kind of the pain and the loss around it allows you to heal from it and then be open to other opportunities. Because that is the thing in this industry that we have to accept, like whatever opportunity comes your way, 
will not be your only opportunity. It will not mm. be your last opportunity. Mm. We can't be precious about these things because it will break us. Man. It will break us and it won't allow us to move forward. And this path is all about who can stick it out the longest. Mm. Now I'm going to cut to like Viola Davis. Please like, cut to her. Please, please cut, cut to her. Viola, who for the bulk of her career mm. is being compared to Meryl Streep, which is great. But to me, I'm like, she don't need no comparison. Mm. Her name stands alone. Push through. Like, okay. she is excellent. She doesn't need some something to compare her to. We see her for all that she is. But my God, th- when you look at the length of her career, like, it has been about endurance. Mm. I would say right now, she is hitting these marks because now she's in the producing. She is in more control than she has ever been. And it was a battle yeah. to get there because everyone loves her. Everyone wants to work with her. But she would tell me that she would still get scripts and she's opening the script, flipping through the pages, flipping through the pages, wait, waiting to see this character. Mm. And it would still be a page like 58, 68 before this character even arrives. And she would say to me that she was just constantly being asked to hold up the wall and give life, give air, give breath to someone else's story. Woo. It was never mm. her story, which mm. is not the case now. Now when you see her do something, it's like, Yes. Like, Woman King, hello. Can't wait to see that. Listen, Michelle Obama. Michelle Obama. Michelle Obama. Looking exactly like like her in the Amy Sherrill picture. Like, I just cannot. I can't. I I was just like, what? And it's amazing. But it had to be endurance. Like, Mm. she wasn't holding on to all the things she didn't get. She's moving forward. She's trying to figure out her own creative path. She's trying to get into the producing chair. She reads so much. She reads everything. That really is so much of what we have to do and, and approach our business, not just our craft. I feel like our craft is like a separate thing, but approach our business as actors in this way of it is a game of endurance and we can't hold on to what's not meant to be. Wow. Asia, okay, so you took us to church. Thank you very much. Let the church say amen. Amen. (laughs) Listen, you, I was over here getting misty-eyed because it's about endurance. And endurance is a tough thing to have when you're tired, right? Yes. Yes. So it's been a year since Dear White People. We wrapped on season four, Dear White People. And Ooh, girl. Yeah, okay, because we're going to get to the beginning mm-hmm. of how to get away with murder. Yes. But I just, because of what you said, it, it got me because we did four seasons, five years of this amazing show. And mm-hmm. after, I was like, okay, like, where, where are the jobs? Like, what's yeah. up? And it's been so hard, Asia. I love just being able to, like, express this to, like, a fellow actress, a fellow sister in the journey. I don't even, I don't want to call it a struggle. In the journey. Uh, In the journey, yes. Yeah, it's in the journey. I don't want to put struggle on it. Yeah. Um, And it it will have its struggles, but that's normal. Exactly. in this journey. And life has struggles, right? But I I would never call life a struggle. Life is a journey. Exactly. Our careers are a journey. But it has been so tough. And I think... What's been required of me, because it's been tough, 
And because it's been not at all what I expected, I've had to increase my endurance. If we related to the gym, I've had to do two-a-days just to keep myself fit for the marathon that I know is ahead. Yes. And it's so tough. But then you look at actresses, like leaders like Viola Davis, and you say, I'm good. I can do this. Because she is still showing us that if you just keep putting one foot in front of the other, you will get to where you're you're headed. You'll get there. It will not be in your time, but you will get there. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Take me back. This is what I want to know, right? So we know that you were amazing, lovely, brilliant (laughs) on how to get away with murder as Michaela Pratt. I remember when you booked that, Asia. It was like... Oh my God, are we going to see ourselves on screen every week? Like the possibilities. I saw you book that and I was like, oh, okay, we out here. Okay, Asia can do it. I can do it. Asia's in these streets. I too can be in these streets. And it was only a couple years later that I then got onto Dear White People. But honestly, Asia, you gave me a little bit more endurance. You did. You really, really did. But you're so welcome. But what I want to know is what was going on right before that. I gotta yeah, know. Girl. And what happened when you got the call? I need to know it all. Ooh. Ooh. I love this. I love <laughs> this. This is already, like, emotionally, like, taking me back because I'm like, that was a time. Oh, I remember it going down like this, right? Okay, speaking of endurance and everything I was saying about letting go, surrendering the path of this career, our craft. I had wrapped a show in Vancouver. That was my first series regular called Emily Owens, MD. Mm, And mm -hmm. even like getting that job, we only shot 13 episodes and then we were canceled. So that was my first like, oh, wow, I'm here. Like, it's all happening. And actually, I shot that show with Kelly McCreary. Um, And then you all went over to How to Get Away with Murder to get... In the same year, we went to Shondaland. That's how far back we go. But why this is significant to me is because even when I booked Emily Owens, Kelly McCreary was cast first. And I thought, oh, they got their Black girl. So Mm. I'm not going to get this job anymore. Like, it's going to go to someone else. And shockingly, I was also cast. And I was like, what? They have two Black people (laughs) on this show? That is unheard of. There can be more than one. But no, that show got canceled and... Talk about, like, auditioning and just not getting anything. Mm. I was like, but I've proven myself. I got the series regular job. I I proved that I could do it. I should begin this job. And then at the time, Nicole Bahari was starring on a show called Sleepy Hollow. Mm. They were casting a sister, a character that would be her sister. And it was going to be a series regular. And I was like, I'm in New York. I was like, oh, my God. I should be Nicole Bahari's sister. And this Wait, is were you living this in New York at the time? Happen. I was living, living in New York at okay. the time. Uh-huh. Okay. I was living there at the time. And I was like, this has got to happen. I went into this audition, man. 
the casting director, she was in tears. Mm-hmm. Like, we had a profound moment in that space together. I walked out of there like, okay, like, I have mm-hmm. done it. This job is mine. And when you're just like filled up with yeah. all those amazing feelings, like skipping you down did the it. street, <laughs> it's like, you know, you did it. All the best parts of yourself showed up when you needed it to most for you to land this job. Days later, I get the call. One of the producers didn't care for me. So it was a no, it wasn't going to happen. Oh, when I tell you, wow, I could not get out of bed. Oh. I was like, it, that was my job. And I couldn't tell anyone because I was still, you know, holding mm-hmm. on to everything. Like, they're going to realize they're wrong and they're going to oh, give me this job Oh, this is before the talk still. with the friend. This is before the talk. So I am like in such a deep depression that I can't share with anyone. And a week goes by and no one's calling me to say that they've changed their mind and they're going to give me this <laughs> role. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was like, I had a really emotional experience because I was like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I have it in me to take this because even in the moments where everything goes right, it could still go the other way. Like, it doesn't matter how bad you want it. That's not what makes this work. Like, you can't will this into being. You can't control this. There are always going to be factors beyond your control, and it is heartbreaking, and it can stop you in your tracks. And I had to really ask myself, are you up for this? Can you handle this? You could go do anything else, but are you willing? And I had such resistance to the idea of giving up. My spirit was definitely crushed in that moment, but my heart was still like, this has to work. This has to happen because I believe, I believe it has to happen. And you have to find a way to be able to manage it emotionally. However long later, I get an audition for a Shonda show, which was already so exciting to me because... I'm at the time I'm watching Kerry Washington on Scandal. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that I'm looking at that's giving me hope. Look at this Black woman on TV. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. So Black women are leading shows now. Like, (laughs) like, word. Okay, like, maybe this can be real. And I get an email that they're auditioning this show. And it's from Shondaland. And it's called How to Get Away with Murder. And I'm like, oh, I could do this. I could really do this. And I go into like the ABC casting office in New York. So I go to this casting director's office and then the session ended. And I was just like, what, like, what does this mean? Like, what is this? And she was like, I don't know, whatever. You did it. It was great. And I walk out the room, get an elevator, go down the elevator. I am in the lobby of the ABC building. No, no, no. And I get a phone call. No. Still in the lobby. Still in the lobby. No, you were not, Asia. I get a phone call. I'm in the lobby. You got the part. I am like, I was like, I'm in the lobby. I've got to get out of the lobby because I have to scream. I've got to just got to make it out to the street so that I can scream and jump and praise God. And I was just like, oh my God. And the show's going to shoot in LA. It's like, I'm 
going home. The universe is taking me back home to California with a job. And then they said, this was before they had secured Viola. They said they're going after Viola Davis for the lead role. I was like, oh my God. I was like, this is going to go to series. Like, I knew in that moment, the second they said her name, I was like, this is what I'm going to be doing for years of my life. I knew it. I knew it. And I also in that moment thought back, thank God I didn't get that other job. Oh, wow. The universe had something better for me in store. And I was too busy being caught up in it to recognize that maybe it was making a way for me. It had something bigger in mind for me, and I just didn't know. Now, it would still be years before I could really let things go <laughs> Yeah, when they didn't happen. But it was one of the first times where I was like, this is why you can continue. Because even in those low, low moments, there is still something out there. You just have to endure long enough to reach it. Ooh. Wow, 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 that wow. That is <laughs> that is the story that I needed. Wow, Asia, that is so inspiring. And I just think, for me, the best part of it is that the only way that you could have seen what the universe had for you is by getting the courage to get out of bed and try, try, yes. try again. yes. You have to try, try, try again. Wow, Asia. So, okay. Yeah. So this was was a was a moment where you reaped the benefits of not giving up on yourself, of trusting your abilities, of trusting your body, of trusting your gifts. So I want to transition into your motherhood journey. And yeah, and yes, I think it's so interesting that you're talking about a time in your life, which wasn't that long ago, when you were kind of closed off, you were secret, you're private, you didn't want to share things with others in hopes that it could change whatever the outcome that we don't even know what it is, what it could be, right? Mm -hmm. But in recent years, we've seen you be so transparent about your motherhood journey about your son, about your husband, and what it took to get to where you are now. Yes. And so what I want to know is, after the miscarriages, Mm -hmm. how did you keep going? What was that journey like for you? And what advice would you give to women on the pursuit of motherhood? I love that you call it the pursuit of motherhood. I think that's so beautiful. And the first thing I will say to that is that there are so many ways to become a mother. Mm -hmm. There is no one way to do this. There is no one more natural way than another to do this. Like all the roads to motherhood are real, are genuine. You can believe in them. It doesn't have to be this, this idea that I know I thought it was supposed to be. Okay, you fall in love, get married, and then magically have a baby, and it all works out, and there's never any heartbreak or, (laughs) you know, (laughs) boom, done. And that just wasn't the case. And that first miscarriage, I was working on murder. I thought I was going to have a baby. I was so excited. And then I had 
my first miscarriage and it was devastating. And that was one of those times where that eternal optimism really kind of hurt. It, I should say it hurt and it helped because I knew I wasn't going to give up on trying to find a, have a, find a baby, <laughs> give up on trying to have a baby. But it was, it was hard for me to go through that loss and to accept that I really had a miscarriage. And I remember because I had to have a DNC because mm. I had to remove some cells in my body. And I still remember it's a procedure where they have to put you under for a little bit. And it's super quick. It's like 20 minutes, you know. But I remember afterwards, as I'm coming out of sedation, looking at the nurse and being like, show me, show me what you took out. I'm like, prove to me that you were right. I'm so worried that I'm going to see like a baby, like mm. that, that they messed up and took out my baby by accident, you know? Yeah. That was in my like coming out of this sedated state. I'm still like, no, you're wrong. There's a baby in here. I had the positive pregnancy test. It was really hard to to let go because I was so open with my close friends and family. They were able to give me the support that I needed. And I knew, I, I knew like, I'm going to have a baby. I don't know how I'm going mm. to have a baby, but I'm going to have a baby. And I had to start thinking about what are the other ways that might happen or what are the other ways that might look like and how much time do I want to spend trying to have a baby, like just just figuring out all the logistics, having to think about this in a way I never wanted to have to think about it, but had to think about it if I really wanted to be a mother. So then after the second miscarriage, which then I just was like, this can't be happening again. How is this possible? Um, I got really determined. And I was like, okay, you can't just keep doing the same things and expecting a different outcome. We started going to a naturopathic doctor to like, just take a look at my hormones and mm -hmm. all this stuff. And had I tested in other ways, like we would have gone further. I, I would have looked into IVF. I would have looked into adoption. I would have looked into fostering. Like I have relatives who foster kids, you know, and they have a beautiful family. So I would have looked into all that other stuff. But I felt so, so lucky that there just were those like few adjustments with like progesterone and and my hormones that needed to like we just had to like play around with the numbers to get it to really optimal certain dietary things. Yeah. And it was like, okay, this is going to take some work, but it's the work that you want to do. It's funny because I even struggle with this because I'm always like, yes, what happened to me felt really horrible, but it wasn't as bad as what happened to some other people. And then I have to remind myself, but it's not a competition. So mm -hmm. it's okay to be honest about the fact yeah. that like it sucked. I wanted it to be easier and it wasn't. And it wasn't as hard as for some people, thank God. And I, and because of that, I feel lucky because now I do have my little boy and he's here and he's healthy and I'm healthy. So thank God that friend years ago had that conversation with me about mm. letting people in and being vulnerable and letting go. Because if I was that same secretive, hold on to everything because I don't want to let people in, 
that would have been so much harder to process alone. And I think so often when it comes to miscarriage, because it's not super openly talked about, we don't realize just how common it really is. It empowered me in such a beautiful way to be able to hear other people talking about, oh, yes, that is a common occurrence. And it was like, Mm. oh, so, okay, I'm not bad. I didn't do something wrong. I didn't hurt what should have been my my first two babies. You know, it's, Mm. yeah, it was, it helped a lot emotionally. Again, I just have to acknowledge you for your transparency. I'm in my pursuit of motherhood. My husband and I are in our pursuit of motherhood and fatherhood and parenthood. (laughs) And uh, it's just so, the pursuit of family is not something you really think about when you're younger. Well, some people do, but I I wasn't thinking about it. But when you're in it, you don't realize how much the stories of your community, of the people around you, really help you understand, to your point, you're not alone. Yes. There's somebody in yes. your orbit that has gone through the same thing you're going through, is going through the same thing you're going through, is also trying to build their family in whatever way works for them. So I just so yes. appreciate your share because it just really means a lot to me personally. Um, so you talked a lot about conquering your self-doubt. You've been really open about that too. Yes. And so I want to hear about how having your son has helped Mm. you trust yourself more. Mm. Yes. I don't want to talk about the doubt. I want to talk about the trust that you gained. Yes, yes. No, and there there is, I mean, if there is a word, surrender is the word. Like, he has taught me, mommy, you're not in control of nothing. So just, (laughs) just go on with it. And there is something really empowering about that because instead of living in this fear of, oh my God, am I doing everything wrong? It's instead been like, okay, we're figuring this out together, which is really incredible. And it's like, yeah, maybe one day you're going to get down for a nap in 20 minutes and maybe the next day is going to take you an hour. Okay, that's just where where we are. There is something so beautiful about accepting where we are. This is where we are right now. This is going to be our process and it is unique to us. And I really love that. It makes me feel like I'm super mom, you know? And there there are times that I got to get in my car and tell my husband, like, I'm going to Target to have some alone time. (laughs) And and it's like, all right, you know? It's like deepening that understanding of what you need, what your partner needs, what your child needs, and living inside of that and trusting that. and, and And like, everything is okay. I love that. Okay, so Asia, what has been your takeaway from our conversation? Oh my God, that I love you, that (laughs) you're phenomenal. (laughs) Like, I love that you're doing this. And just, it is so important to have these moments of connection, which I think these past two years have been so hard for everyone because out of safety, we've needed to separate like physically separate from people that we love so much to keep them out of harm's way. And now that is coming to an end, hopefully. Yes. <laughs> Please God, let it end. Yes. Um, let it end. 
Yeah. Now that that is coming to an end, like being reminded that it is okay to seek connection, to like, to just be, to just, what is like the word that I am looking for? Fellowship. I think it's fellowship. Fellowship. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. Coming in with the words that I need (laughs) to have that fellowship with your community. So that is my big takeaway in having this conversation with you. It reminds me of just how wonderful it is to have this fellowship with another beautiful Black woman who is killing it in this. And Mm. not all the moments feel like killing it, but girl, you're killing it. Mm. You're in the game, like you're doing it. It's a powerful thing to be here and what you represent for another young woman who has seen your face and thought, there's space for me Mm -hmm. here. I can do this. Not only are we a gift to each other, we are a gift to the world. (laughs) And let that be known, like all of us, we are all such a gift to the world. Wow. Oh my, okay. I'm really about to cry. (laughs) I want to hug you. Oh, Asia, thank you. Just thank you for everything. Just everything that you've been to me in this moment and always have been to me. But my takeaway is, honestly, I'm so taken by how similar we are. Talking to you, I've realized just even our upbringings, our journeys, how we look at things, like we're very very similar. And so that's a big takeaway for me because in a macro sense, I always saw you as like my sister in the journey, but that macro sense has become much more micro now. And I think that that's really, really special. And I'm just so grateful. It's a gift. I feel like it's a gift. Yeah. So Asia, I love you. I honor you. And I thank you so much for being a part of this. And your story is beautiful. And the cool thing is you're just getting started. That's what's so exciting. (laughs) Oh my gosh, Asia, you're literally like scratching on the surface. I'm so excited for all the places you will go. That's what I'm excited about. Yeah. Thank you. I am so excited to see what we will both become. After the credits, we're talking about the groundbreaking woman Asia would add to her circle today. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast is produced by LWC Studios for OWN. The show's executive producer is Juleka Lentigua. Its senior editor is Verilyn Williams. Sound designer is Cedric Wilson. Managing producers are Camille Stennis and Paulina Velasco. Assistant producers are Lauren Francis and Shanice Tyndall. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, and we hope you do, please make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts to ensure you hear the next one. So we spoke about how we have a community of women who reach out and just make us feel seen. So who from history would you want in your community today? I'm going to go Ida B. Wells. Feel like her name is not said enough. Ida Asia, B. Wells. You better say Ida B. Wells. Yes. 
Let's get into her. Why, why is she in the community? She was an activist and she created a newspaper to talk about lynchings that were going on. And she was trying to help the world understand just just like how this was not justified. There was never any kind of a justification for this to be happening to us. She really put her life on the line to get those stories out there. Also like running her own newspaper. Hello. (laughs) Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean Every time. Because messes happen. Because... I got the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? Uh, Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. (laughs) No, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.